That's right. You're looking live, as they uh, once made famous. I think it was Brent Musburger. You're looking live. Uh, it's Jason Martinez, Anthony DeMarco. Stick to Hockey Live, episode number 79. And holy shit, do we have a lot to talk about. And we're going to do it all in about 40 minutes' time. We've got a ton of questions, Ant, coming in on Twitter on what's been a rather eventful week. First of all, how are you? Not too bad, man. Good to be back. Happy New Year to you. Obviously, you I know well. you're battling something right now, but uh, yeah. glad that you were able to come off the mat for this one. Yeah, we were able to to pop a little uh, Mucinex D DM and uh, a five-hour energy extra strength, and we'll push through. Right on. <laughs> Excuse me. And there's a game tonight as well. Uh, Flyers have Montreal at Wells Fargo Center tonight before they head out on a three-game trip where they'll head to uh, Minnesota, Winnipeg, and then St. Louis coming up on Monday. I was wondering what it must be like for Jamie Drysdale, who packed for a two-week trip uh, from Anaheim to go on a road trip, uh, flew to Nashville, found out he got traded, and only to go, dude, I hope you don't have a cat at home because you're not going to see it again until May. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's that like for a player to, like, you pack for that trip, now you're going to this trip, and you're going to be in Minnesota and Winnipeg. I, I imagine they didn't pack for for a trip of, of areas that damn cold. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for sure. Especially in Winnipeg up here. I mean, Winnipeg's cooler than Montreal, but uh, it's pretty not well. It's pretty mild today in Montreal, but we got a snowstorm last night. Another one Friday, so I can only imagine what it's like in Winnipeg. Yeah, we had a huge windstorm blow through here, and my kids were off school today because of all the power lines down. There's huge trees down everywhere across roads and everything. But I digress. We have tons to get into. Be- before we get into um, the Cutter Gauthier and uh, Jamie Drysdale stuff. What did you think of what took place on Saturday uh, before the Calgary game? The Ed Snyder tribute for his 91st birthday. Just the fact that there was a tribute to that extent done is is a huge sign of moving back towards the organizational standard and the history of the organization, because that hadn't happened the last four or five years prior. Um, And I think it really caught uh, a a full building um, by surprise a little bit and really kind of ushered in what this new era is all about. Yeah, I think it was very nice, and especially given where this team or this organization was at two years ago in regards to honoring the past, I think it was very nice to do that, and it was kind of honoring where we've come from or where the team has come from. And obviously, Ed Snyder, the founder, someone who really embodied everything there was about being a flyer. And I think what Keith Jones has done along with Dan Hilferty is really bring that vibe back from the top of the organization because it does go beyond hockey ops. And Keith Jones, I think, bridges hockey ops to the business side. I think Dan Hilferty has been much more hands-on than his predecessor, Dave Scott. So I think it's a sign of the times as to where this team is heading, where they're trying to take it, and the overall outlook beyond just the on-ice product as to how this team is operating behind the scenes. I saw Dan Hilferty in the last two weeks more than I saw Dave Scott in his entire tenure. I'm yeah. not shitting you. Like, I'm not even kidding. Uh, I, there was It was very rare to see Dave around. Dan Hilferty is out walking around talking to people all the time. He pops in the media room at the practice facility, you know, sucking on a, a Tootsie Pop all the time. Like, that's normal. That I think that's just the way he operates in his comfort zone. And it's, it's incredibly refreshing. I think what it does, Ann, is it keeps him in touch. For sure. And, and obviously, Hockey Ops had their own 
list of issues under Chuck Fletcher, but I think a major issue the last five years or so has been the business side being so out of touch. And I don't want to kick rocks at Val Camillo and Dave Scott, but I think they were very detached as to the history of this team, the history of the city's love with this team, and how important it is to be so close to the to the fans. And like you said, Dan Hilferty has done an amazing job of trying to rekindle that relationship along with Keith Jones. And it seems like side by side, Jonesy and Hilferty are really trying to make up the gap that has been lost since the passing of Ed Snyder. Yeah, I don't think it's going unrecognized in the least. I think people are absolutely seeing it. Which brings me to my next question, because what took place on Tuesday night, or Monday night, excuse me, you know, about eight minutes into the game, I'm, I'm sitting in the press box next to Bill, and Charlie's a couple seats down, Charlie O'Connor. And I look down, Charlie goes, are you on your phone? And I said, no. And he goes, get on your phone. I go, why? He goes, just open your phone. And then Joe Seville came down from Flyers PR and immediately kind of walked behind all of us sitting in, in the press box and said, um, we made a trade. Um, uh, Danny made a move. Check your email. All the details are there. And then you see the move that's made with Cutter Gauthier for Jamie Drysdale and a 2025 second round pick. And the, the, the area where I want to start with this, Dan, is this, is there was not any reporting on this. You know, the Flyers have been a leaky organization for a number of years. And there's now three occasions where three really big things happened and it didn't get out. And I'll look to the first one being Keith Jones, even being hired. That was like the curveball of curveballs that none of us saw coming. Then we come to find out after the NHL draft that Matt Vemichkov, his brother and his family were at the Flyers training center. He's playing bubble hockey downstairs at the uh, skate zone. And they're meeting with the Flyers. Nobody knew, had any idea of that. And then this, which has been kept under wraps, um, it, it, it so it just tells you if this team needs to operate under cloak and dagger, they're capable of doing it. And I think the big thing is, is that the other GMs and presidents around the league had enough respect for Keith Jones and Danny Briere not to leak it on their end. For sure. And I think the GM that they were dealing with, who ultimately acquired Goatsy and Pat Verbeek, I can tell you, told the Flyers that he didn't want it leaking either. So I think it's very... He's in that Iserman school. He ain't leaking shit. <laughs> exactly. Very, very old school. So, I mean, I really do believe that this is a sign of the times about that they could put a lid on things if they really feel they need to. And look, this has been going on for months, as we've heard since uh, the trade was announced. I could tell you that other GMs that I've spoken to around the league have kind of told me that, yeah, a lot of teams were interested, but... Briere and Jones were very steadfast on the type of player that they wanted. This wasn't a trade where they wanted to trade Gauthier for a collection of draft picks. They wanted a player that could help them now while also fitting the age timeline that Gauthier did. Obviously, Drysdale drafted two years uh, before Gauthier. And this was a very significant move for the organization. Gauthier is kind of the guy who kicked off this rebuild. I know Chuck Fletcher was very, very resistant to use the term rebuild, but they've been hedging on one since the end of the 21-22 season. And Gauthier going fifth overall was the first guy to really be the face of that. And then eventually along with Michkov and a guy that a lot of people, myself included, figured to be one of the faces of this organization for the next decade or so. So, I mean, the fact that he gets traded for Jamie Drysdale, who steps in right away, checks the box of a right shot defenseman who could play on your top pair and run that power play. This is a very big monumental shift in the direction of this organization. Obviously, it leaves a big hole up front, 
because this is a team that doesn't have that high-end talent on their roster and in their pipeline, save for Matt Vay-Mitchkov. So they're going to have to get to work to find that specifically down the middle of the ice. But in the meantime, it feels like their defense is set for the long-term with the acquisition of Damian Drysdale, who joins an already talented group of players on the roster and in the pipeline on the back end. Is this also symbolic now? Is this kind of, I, I would, I would say it's the signature move because you don't look at the drafting of Michkov as necessarily a move, but this is the first significant move. I mean, look, Danny Briere made the Provorov trade in the summer. That was the first one. And, you know, it was able to, to move Kevin Hayes with some retention. And those were the first ones, but is this really the first symbolic move that tells you, kind of how Danny Briere is going to stare this thing in the face and stare down other GMs in the league. Because from what I understand, he talked to upwards of 18 general managers. Some had the, as you wrote in your story, some had the assets to sit at the table. Others did not. Uh, but he's going to use leverage in the best way he can. And not getting out helps his leverage. And also the World Juniors and the performance of Cutter Gauthier certainly went into having some good leverage and certainly good value. For sure. And they come out with a guy who's already a proven commodity in the NHL, obviously has dealt with injuries early on in his career, and they get a second round pick in two years time in 2025. So Goetze is someone who probably was arguably one of the, the MVPs of that World Juniors tournament, obviously has good size and is one of the premier guys in the NCAA right now. And for the Flyers, you're moving off someone who, if he was to stick around and all was good in the hood, kind of to use a slang term, I really believe that he would have been on this team next season and would be making an impact on this team next year. So if you're moving away from Goetze, which probably became apparent sometime over the summer, you had to find someone who would make an impact during that same timeline. This is a team that I know they've only been vocal about it being a rebuild for maybe eight months or so. But they've been hedging on a rebuild for close to two years. This is kind of like the second year of a full rebuild. In a lot of ways, it's kind of like the third because 21-22 was yeah. a year that they bottomed out and were just so bad and traded Giroux for a plethora of assets. Then last year under Torts was maybe the first full year. And now this year you take that step forward where you have a lot of young guys progressing. So you don't want to come back next year with the same cast of characters and risk being stagnant or worse. So even worse, that's not good for development, not good for the culture. Yeah. So if you're moving off Cutter Gauthier, who presumably would have been impacting your roster next season, you wanted to bring in someone that could do the same. And Jamie Drysdale is going to do that and probably do it even sooner. You weren't going to move him and create a hole. If you weren't going to fill a very significant and important hole. Um, let's talk about, you know, all the uh, your reportings out there as well. What, what happened? Where's the fracture? Where did things go south? Where did they go sideways? I will tell you, in hindsight, um, I can look at it now and go, okay, some things make sense. Some things that I, I, I witnessed. You know, I'd asked for Cutter a number of times to record interviews for the podcast for Flyers Daily. Going back to just before the World Hockey Championship and then after the Worlds and then through the summer and even into the fall. And I just kind of got flimsy responses as to why he didn't want to do it or he couldn't do it. In hindsight, I look back at that now and go, okay, now it makes sense. Um, but where did things go sideways? And there's a lot of reporting on this from 
you know, torts was an issue, which I, I totally don't think is the case to Kevin Hayes poisoned the well, which again, I, as Brian asked, he said, I don't think Hayes had dick all to do with this. <laughs> I think this is as simple as Chuck Fletcher probably promised him. He was going to sign him to a DLC and start his ELC clock. Chuck Fletcher was fired on March 10th. Cutter season ended on March 11th. Danny Breer was hired on March 12th. And they didn't want to start his ELC clock with about eight games to go in a season that, that meant nothing. And the player couldn't get over it and didn't give a chance for the Flyers to work their way through it. What are you, what are you hearing in that regard? I think the short answer is that we'll probably never know and the Flyers will never know what the exact thing was that caused this. But obviously we've heard the rumors about, you know, Elliot Friedman said that the overage that it would have caused coming into this season on the cap, obviously. I don't buy that. Yeah. I mean, he may have heard that, but I don't buy that. You hear about the tort stuff because Cutter Gauthier shares the same agent as Ryan Johansson and Johansson obviously had a bad relationship in torts going back eight years or so in Columbus. I had that kind of shot down to me by those with the organization, the Kevin Hayes stuff that obviously our buddy uh, Anthony Sanfilippo reported Monday night. I had that kind of shot down to me too. I was told that they left things well with Kevin Hayes and did him a favor by getting him out of Philadelphia. Didn't see eye to eye with torts, but at the end of the day, they were able to end on a somewhat decent basis I think that on some level, there was something happened last spring, as uh, Fridge alluded to. And if I had to take my best guess, because I can't say with 100% certainty what it is, because those who I've spoken with inside the organization can't even say with certainty, I think it probably has to do with him wanting to turn pro and them electing not to. And it just never really got repaired and it's a shame right because he was a guy that was projected to be one of the faces of this team and probably next year would have been one of the premier forwards on this team like for all the good that they've done this year and how well they've played this is still a team that lacks high-end talent up front save for Travis Konechny there's probably not a top line player on any given team that's currently playing for the Flyers so I I really can't say exactly what happened but I think we've all heard, you know, the speculation of from torts to a rookie GM and Danny Briere to the, the him wanting to turn pro and then not electing to do so. The overage stuff. And all we can say now with certainty is that Cutter Gozzi did not want to be here. And as Keith Jones said on the broadcast, if you don't want to be a flyer, you're not going to be a flyer. It's just a real shame that it came to this. But as for what exactly caused it, we won't know until Gozzi speaks. I think Fridge was the one that reported they did a zoom with him after the world hockey championship and they were fully expecting to hear from him that he wanted to sign to come into this season. And it was the exact opposite. That's when they were first notified that he didn't want to be a flyer and they were taken aback by that. So I, I mean, to me, this whole thing, Ant, feel there, there's like a smell to it that really bothers me. And I know a lot of Mike Rupp talked about it on an NHL network. A lot of, uh, you know, former players have talked about it. Like you haven't played a game in this league, dude. Like, and there's a bad taste when players do this. You know, Adam Fox did it. We saw Jimmy VC do it. We've seen other players, but there's a real bad taste. And it's a very big red flag to a guy's character. And and it, when you send John LeClaire and Patrick Sharp up to the Boston College to meet with them after a game, after they meet with the coach, and then you send the coach back in there to say he's not going to meet with you. Now, this is John LeClaire, one of the great American-born players, right? And... Patrick Sharp, a three-time cup champ. LeClaire won a cup, too, in Montreal. So 
and you spurn those guys. And then Keith Jones, Danny Breer, and Patrick Sharp fly to Sweden, which, as I've said, is not like jumping a flight to Dover. They went to Sweden to talk to him after the tournament. The family and the player wouldn't speak with them. There's huge character red flags here that I go, I can't, at that point, I can't move forward because I'm trying to build a culture and a standard around here, and I can't have that invading it, infecting it. You know what I mean? And this rebuild is as much about rebuilding the culture and the character of this team as it is about replenishing the talent on the ice. Like that's been very, very evident about trying to weed out guys who are problems behind the scenes and problems in the locker room. That's why Tony D'Angelo is in here and Provorov is here and Hayes is in here and why Scott Lawton has been the only guy to wear a letter for 15 months since Tortorella's arrival. So you want to bring in someone who obviously has a high pedigree and is going to step in and maybe start infecting that for lack of better words and start calling his shot before he's even played a game in the NHL. So, I mean, it really is a shame because of the positional box he was going to check. But at the same time, I think that's another thing that maybe not helped the Flyers like do this, but maybe let it made it less impactful is that I don't think they believed he was going to be a center. And I was told I agree that with other, and I, and I don't think other teams believed he was going to be a center. And he's going somewhere. Not going to be in Anaheim. <laughs> no, because you have Mason Matavish, you have Leo Carlson, Trevor Zegras. If he, if he stays, he's going somewhere where he's going to be a shoot first winger and a probably yep. damn good one at that. Yeah. And that is still something that they could benefit from. But the way that I see it is you're parlaying a winger into a right shot D and a, probably a top line left winger who could put the puck in the net into a top pairing right shot D who could help your power play and move the puck up ice. And look, you probably need both. I think the Flyers now even have more of a well, What's more goal. valuable, Ant? <laughs> yeah, well, right yeah. shot D. And now it's you could probably, you, like if you're Keith Jones and Dan Breer, with the talent on the back end, on your roster, and in your pipeline, you could probably say like, we're okay on the back end now. Look, they're a bit undersized yeah. with York and Drysdale and uh, Emil Andre, but you have Bonk. You have Sanheim, although Sanheim doesn't play big. If you elect to keep Ristolainen, yeah, like you just have a lot, a lot of talent back there. And I, I and I was told by some of the organization that it is maybe not ideal to have so many guys under six feet, but you have a lot of guys who are going to move the puck up ice, which means you're going to be defending less. Obviously, in recent years, teams have elected more on larger defensemen, but it's not a one size fits all system. And you have a lot of talent back there. And not only that. Maybe now you have some pieces on the back end that you could parlay into offensive pieces. So, you know, it's really unfortunate because they needed both. But I'll just come back to the known commodity thing. You're getting someone who could help you in the here and now, as opposed to someone that you were hoping was going to be able to help you in the short term and the long term. Yeah. And you didn't, like you said, you didn't, it's a known commodity. We know, we don't know fully what Drysdale is going to be. He's a sixth overall pick. He was a number one ranked defenseman heading into the 2020 NHL draft. He's an incredible skater. Uh, He is going to be a power play upgrade for sure. He does know some of the guys here. He's very close with Cam York. And, uh, you know, worked out with Morgan Frost and Nozo and Tippett and some other guys. So that's good. And as Kieran said, he said, I haven't watched maybe two minutes of Flyers hockey this season. You're missing a good season, Kieran. You should have got on a little earlier. But uh, they said, but for some reason, this trade has completely changed my opinion on sitting down to watch them. I can't wait to watch tonight. And this is the old old line. Any publicity is good publicity. And I, I think it's an organizational stand, too. 
And the way the Flyers snapped into action after the deal was announced, Danny Briere, first intermission, boom, spoke with the media. It was pumped right out there, right? Second intermission, Danny Briere went to the radio booth. Keith Jones went to the TV booth. Uh, Dan Hilferty went to the snow, the goalie thing. And they all said the same thing. If you don't want to be here, you will not be here. I mean, how many times over the last couple of years, you got a different answer when you ask the same question to different people? Yeah. I mean, that's refreshing. And I think that was what was apparent under Chuck Fletcher and Dave Scott's leadership is that there was a massive disconnect. And like you said, how in tune was Dave Scott with the on-ice product? Was Chuck Fletcher overwhelmed and above his head tenfold with both um, with both the president role and the GM role? And maybe yeah. he was being pulled in several different directions because his hockey ops staff was saying one thing, but his boss and Dave Scott was saying another because he didn't know anything about the on-ice product. But now you have three guys in Hilferty, Jones, and, and uh, Briere to say nothing of the head coach and John Tortorella, who we know has a lot of pullback there all saying the same thing and singing the same song and beating the same drum. And I think that as, like I've said several times, as unfortunate as it is that Gauthier, who was going to be a big part of this organization, if he would have stayed, was parlayed into another player that is going to be a major part of this. Like, I mean, the thought of Travis Sanheim and Jamie Drysdale as a top pair for the next five years. And now Sanheim on the left side. Now Sanheim on the left side. All of a sudden, you have three right shot guys, although I don't know how long Sean Walker is going to be here now. But, yeah. I mean, they have a lot of options on the back end. And now you're seeing them play 7-D tonight, which I think is the right decision because you don't want Zamula out of the lineup. And Nick Sealer has some trade value over the next two months. You don't want to pull yeah. him out. But all of a sudden, if you're saying that Sanheim and Drysdale are your top pair for the foreseeable future, ideally you want one to emerge as a stud number one guy. But in the meantime, that's a legit top pair and probably the first legit top pair since Provrov and Niskanen four years ago. Yeah, and that was short-lived, obviously. Exactly. Um, really, you may have to go back to Kimo Timonen and Braden Coburn. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Or, so, you know, something like Conger that. And Carl. Yeah, yeah, you may have to go back that far. And we're talking decade, decade and a half at that point. Um, we got a shitload of questions, Ant, that came in uh, via Twitter. I put a post out. Uh, saying that we were doing the show today and people drop questions and they dropped a ton of them. Uh, Greg Salini said, uh, tweeted in and said, kind of a two-parter. We'll be curious if Anthony has heard any rumblings about the next shoe to drop after the addition of Drysdale and interested in who you both believe is most likely to be dealt, Walker, Risto, Zamula. Uh, so, okay, let's start with the first part. What are you hearing as far as uh, engagement on some of the Flyers guys that teams are going to want, like Walker, like Sealer, like maybe Ristolainen? I think Walker's the low-hanging fruit here. I think he, I I was told that it's, you know, I think at this point it's fair to say that it's going to be difficult to re-sign him. Just a numbers game on the back end and you don't really need him anymore as well as he's played. So I, and I could tell you that other teams are looking at the Flyers and keeping a close watch on how they set the market for the back end. And I would venture to guess that the Calgary Flames are one of those teams. So I, I would imagine Walker is traded and I would be relatively shocked if he's here beyond the trade deadline. Uh, Nick Sealer, to a lesser extent as well. Obviously, teams have continued to have interest in him. And I think maybe to a lesser extent because of the left shot value. And I think just Walker is a better overall player. And as Darren Drager reported on TSN uh, last night, uh, they're willing to retain on both, which isn't a shock. They have two retention spots left with Kevin Hayes. And Walker makes 2.65. Sealer makes $775,000. 
So you could retain for, you know, less than 3 million on both of those guys. As for Ristolainen, there is interest. Uh, I was told that there's at least three teams that have continued to show interest on them. As uh, Instigator just messaged, Toronto's a team that we know Philly has spoken to. I can't say one way or another for sure if they're still one of those teams because they're obviously right up against the salary cap. When they did speak, I could tell you that Brad Tree Living had told the Flyers that he would need retention. Obviously, Risto is three years beyond this one at $5.1 million. I think that $4 million is kind of like the sweet spot as to where people view Risto line in as kind of like that four or five stay-at-home right shot guy. But three teams have continued to keep tabs on Risto line in. And I mean, I would imagine Toronto's one of them, but I can't say for certainty. Especially with the new Nylander deal. Yeah, like they need the, they 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 don't they want to go into a situation where they have some cost certainty. Exactly, Toronto. I, I think that's a big element of it. Uh, Mitchell tweeted in and he said, uh, "This draft is supposed to be deep in defense, but do you think this trade shifts the team's focus towards trying to move up and snag a high end center?" Um, I definitely think, and I think it absolutely changes their focus. We heard Keith Jones talk about, you know, you got to build this blue line, you got to build from your net out. Um, this is a big step in that direction with Jamie Drysdale. Uh, but you do now do have that void and they do have a lot of draft capital and equity and they could move up and, you know, could, could sealer Walker wrist you know, in some way, shape or form combination with retention yield them a third first round pick here. I mean, I think Walker's the one that depending on where the market goes, like I like, and this is more speculation than anything. I feel like the flyers and the flames are kind of looking at each other and seeing who blinks first with mm-hmm. who moves their defense. Like Hannafin is kind of in a bracket of his own, but you look at Chris Tanev, and I do believe that he's a better defenseman than Sean Walker, more of a uh, track record as being like a legit top four guy than Walker. But I mean, if, if Tanev goes before Walker and you need it, and there's a team looking for a right shot guy to play on your second pair and you're desperate enough, like, could you get a first round pick? I think at least a second, if you package Sealer and Walker together, maybe you get into a first. I would say no for now, just the air on, you know, the cautious side. And I just think it's too early to start talking about what the returns could be because I still think teams are feeling each other out. But I wouldn't say it's completely impossible. But I would say that you have an opportunity here to probably walk away with more than two second round picks, which is still a very good thing when you consider what if you traded what if you traded Walker and a second round pick? Because you have a, a plethora of those now. Could you then get a late first round pick? Then maybe for sure. Especially, you know, if the Flyers first round pick is in the forties and you're getting a pick that's in the presumably going to be in the later twenties. I just imagine that teams will be looking more for the second and third round pick uh, um, area. But I mean, maybe a team like Toronto for argument's sake that doesn't have a second round. And I don't believe they have a third round pick this year. If they're going to part with a first round pick, maybe you entice them by packaging a second round pick. So they're just not left with nothing in the first 60 selections or so. Um, Eric uh, tweets in Nassarelli. I hope I said that right, Eric. He said, will Cutter now take the top spot as the most hated player in the NHL for Flyer fans? I expect the Crosby-like treatment when he plays in Philly in the future. I think there's respect for Crosby amongst Flyer fans after all these years and, and looking at how he's carried himself as a player both on and off the ice. But he's still like a guy you like to boo, and you know you don't want to see succeed here. It's fun. Um, I, there's a not re, there's not a respect for Cutter Gauthier after this. <laughs> there's not. We're only going to see him once a year here, but 
Yeah, and and you know what? Like maybe I'm just taking like the. He might get the Philly flu when he comes in too. <laughs> maybe like maybe yeah. I'm taking the spectator approach yeah. and more of like the national international approach as kind of just like a journalist. But like I like the theater of this. Like you need villains in the game. It adds to the theater. Totally and, agree. And you know, like as much as you know, Coetier is being called. You know, he's a piece of shit. Who the hell does he think it is? This and the other thing, like. It takes some balls. Like I literally had some with the Flyers tell me that took some balls to do. And you can help but on some certain level be like, you know what, kid? You didn't want to come here. Good for you. You stuck your yeah. stake in the ground at 19 years old or however the fuck old he is. And, you know, he did what he wanted to do. Now, do I agree with it? No, probably not the best way to kind of forecast what type of character you have. But, I mean, you need villains in the game, and that makes for good theater. So, all of a sudden, Anaheim versus Philadelphia is going to be an interesting game to watch. Yeah, it's got some teeth. Um, Michael messages in here on our stream, and he says, uh, Drysdale will be doing plenty of surfing, as Torts puts it, out on the ice and won't be missing Anaheim at all. He said, I think he and Torts will get along just fine as he becomes an all-around D-man. There's two elements to that. And I, Michael, your comment is dead-ass on. Here's the deal. Torts even said, the first thing I'm going to say to him beyond hello is I want you up the ice more. And if that played out in that phone call, when they first talked for the first time towards it and Jamie Drysdale, Jamie Drysdale was probably thinking, Oh my God, where have you been my whole life? <laughs> first of all, you want me to get up the ice more, <clears throat> excuse me, um, which is great. And we see that that's why Walker, I think has been such an asset because he can play in transition so well and the Flyers play zone. So it allows you to release as a D man, if you can skate well to get up the ice and be able to, to join the rush and almost serve as a winger on the rush. A lot of times, like we've seen with Walker. And I think the Drysdale is going to be perfectly built for that. And then the other element Ant, is the Bradshaw element. Look at the job he, he did in Columbus when he was there with torts. Look at the job he's done here with Sanheim, with York. York didn't make the team last year at camp. I mean, I think he's looked totally fine in defending at the NHL level as a first pairing guy on the left side. Then you look at the, the, the growth of Ristolainen's game sealer, who was, a wasn't even really an NHLer. He was a castaway. Yeah. I mean, he, he was thinking about doing other things. This guy is playing every game. Zamula is now coming along. Like this development of defenders with Brad Shaw and John Tortorella and Torts being willing to play fast in transition with a player like Jamie Drysdale, this looks like a, just a fucking grand slam. Well, the, Drysdale checks exactly what they needed on the back end. Right shot guy, stepping on your top pair, it fits the age bracket of 21 years old. PP, one? Oh. Yeah, and could help out up front and specifically on the power play. Like, this is something that they needed desperately. As much as they need firepower up front, and they needed, you know, presumably uh, a top line centerman to succeed Sean Couturier for the foreseeable future. They needed some certainty on that back end. as good as Sandheim's played as well as York has looked as promising as Bonk and Andre could be. They still didn't have a known commodity to solidify that top pair. And now you have something that's still not a slam dunk because Drysdale and Sandheim both haven't proven to be number ones, either of them. But now there's at least like, a an outlook that looks maybe possible of you having Sanheim and Drysdale as a top pair for the foreseeable future. 
It knocks York down a peg. It could give Andre more time to develop. There's not so much riding on Oliver Bonk. And maybe one of these guys become expendable that you could parlay into an asset up front. So, I mean, look, it it really is a shame that Goatsy didn't work out. But at the same time, it is just at the end of the day, the best case scenario. Dan uh, messages in and says, forget about the player. Forget about the fact that it's Cutter Gauthier. Did the Flyers dodge a bullet by getting him out of here? And I've I've gone on the record on Flyers Daily and obviously here today saying that there are a lot of big character red flags. And look, I'm an American guy. I am a huge proponent of USA hockey. I coached in it for 20 plus years. And I love the growth of USA Hockey. They were World Juniors again. They've won six since 2000, the whole thing. But I am not going to bury my head in the sand and say that a lot of players that come out of the USNDDP are not incredibly fucking entitled. <laughs> There's a lot of entitlement in that program. And I think that that is one element that they need to clean up. And I think that plays into this. And those character issues. I know Darren Dreger, I think it was, or Pierre Lebrun, alluded that there it, it's some kind of thing in the family he kind of referred it to uh, as to why he didn't want to come here. I don't know what that means. I, I can't even fathom what that means. But um, I, I think the Flyers maybe did dodge a bullet by getting him out of here because this character issue is something that I would be very leery about now that I know about it in hindsight. For sure, because you're trying to rebuild the character of this team and get out problem kids. And now you're, you'll be bringing someone who would be the antithesis of what you're looking for character-wise. So look, I, I guess you do dodge a bullet by getting out from someone who could have come in here and really upset the apple cart and someone who probably would have had a big pedigree or has a big pedigree and would have been looking for special treatment on a certain level, understandably so. So yeah, I would say you uh, dodged a bullet here. Yeah. and I'm telling you, the entitlement that's coming out of that U.S. National Team Development Program is, it is real. And I don't know what's going on that that needs to be remedied because it's an issue. And look, the whole thing too needs to be remedied a little bit. And too, with the players, a fifth overall pick having this much control in this, like that happens in the NBA. I get it, you know, and the NBA is is a league run by the inmates run the asylum. You know, the players run it. They opt out of contracts. They say, I'm not going to play. And they have to capitulate in that league. I don't want that invading hockey on a more prominent basis. It's already invaded it to an extent. We saw VC, we saw, you know, Adam Fox in the way that played out, moved twice just to get his way to New York. Just I don't want Schultz. that. Yeah, I don't I don't want that invading the NHL. I think it's I think it's shite. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's unfortunate, happen. but I mean it's yeah. a loophole that maybe in the next CBA they're going to want to clean up for uh, NCAA yeah, players. That. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Nikki P said, did Anaheim request to talk to Cutter before the trade happens to make sure he would play for them? He said, I doubt they would just trade for him in hopes that he would. How does that work? I'm sure there was conversations with the agent, um, you know, when they're they're narrowing down on a team and potentially making a deal. I'm sure Pat Verbeek's going to want some assurances uh, that he's going to come in there and play and and that their timeline matches up for when they're going to sign him, presumably at the end of his season this year to start that ELC clock. So I'm, I'm sure that those things took place via, via the agent. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing about this is, is that I was told that he is going to be playing left wing up there because yep. of all the centers. So for that to be said, I imagine that there were some conversations and as much as Cutter probably came off entitled, I can't imagine he would be too picky 
with his landing spot after not wanting to stay in Philadelphia. So, I mean, I imagine that he was just going to make do with wherever he went, specifically in the uh, United States. Um, Garen uh, tweets in and says, curious what other offers were in play. Otherwise, I'm excited to get a young D-man prospect. Hope it pans out. Do you know any of the other offers, that other guys that were considered? I, know well, I, I, I can't say any other offers specifically or any other teams specifically. All I could say is that this was always the type of trade it was going to be. It was never yeah. going to be Cutter Gauthier for a first, a twenty-six year old, or or just draft capital. Yeah, draft capital was the example used to me. Like you weren't going to trade Cutter Gauthier for like a cocktail of draft picks. They wanted it to be a hockey trade and someone who could step in right away. And I do think it was either a right shot defenseman or a top six centerman. I really think it was one or the other. And Drysdale was probably the best offer that they got. And like I said, there was a Western Conference team that told me they were interested and uh, they didn't have the assets to really get in on it. And this is a team that they're not one of the best teams in the league, but uh, they're middle of the pack team and they would have had some decent assets to pony up. So I think they, Danny Briere and Keith Jones really had an idea of the player they were looking for and they were steadfast on getting that. And one of the things Torts mentioned was, I, I love that we're getting the player now. He's 21 years old. He's played a little bit in the league, but there's still a lot of learning he needs to do and coaching he needs to absorb. Exactly. And a lot to be unlocked in his game. So, I, I mean, I think we all know that this kid is an absolute NHL player and could be a real legit top pairing right side guy. In today's NHL, he's like the he's the prototype for a right shot defenseman, isn't he? Exactly. He he's literally like a, a modern day NHL defenseman who can move the puck, provide offense, and he's no slouch either. So, I mean, it, it's a really good move. Obviously, you hope that maybe he could turn himself into not even like a Makar or Hughes, but just like a legit number one guy, even if it's maybe on like the Morgan Riley side of things, like you don't have to be like an elite defenseman, but you could be a number one. Right. And uh, obviously that's still left to be determined. He's 21 years old, but he certainly has that potential. Uh, let me last thing. And we're going to get out of here on this one. Uh, it, there's word now, I think from Frank Saravalli and others that Zegris is now on the block as well. And everybody's saying, Flatman Flyers, go get Zegris too. Go get his roommate, right? <laughs> I, I know those two were very tight there. Um, I'm leery of Zegris. I love the skill. I don't, I, I'm a little leery of the uh, commitment to doing what it's going to take for a team to win when it comes to Zegris. Um, is is Zegers a, a place they the Flyers could look to add some center depth and rekindle another conversation with Pat Verbeek out there in Anaheim? I can't say Zegers specifically, but what I can tell you, and I've been told this several times, is they're very aware of their lack of talent down the middle, both right now and moving forward. And that is something that they were looking to tackle before this trade. And I imagine it is probably shot to the top of their list post-trade. So I haven't heard Zegers specifically, but he certainly fits the bill age and position wise is something they'd be looking for, because I don't think this is a, a team that wants to come back in next year with the same group. And as of right now, up front, there's not going to be a graduation, especially with Gauthier gone. Mitch Cobb is what, two years away in the mm -hmm. Phantoms, maybe Den Waye, maybe Lexell, but they're not going to blow your doors off in the top six. This is a team that if you make no outside acquisitions, you're coming back more or less with the same forward group next year. And I don't think that's something they want to do and something they want to risk being a stagnant season. You want to take that next step forward like they did this year. So I can't say Zegers specifically, but I would be shocked if Danny Breer and Keith Jones aren't scouring the trade market for a centerman who can make an impact similar to what Jamie Drysdale does. 
And certainly Trevor Zegris is one of those guys that would fit that bill. You know, it's interesting because Torts this week on Hockey and Hounds mentioned to me when I was taping him on Monday, and it's out there now you can find on the Flyers YouTube channel and on the podcast feeds. He did mention to me more subtraction. And like you said, there's not guys graduating out in the forward group because of contract. Um, there could be more subtraction there to make, make room for a young player that fits the timeline of this rebuild. And whether that's a draft pick, that that's unlikely that a draft pick is going to step right in unless you're drafting in the top three. But um, there could be, maybe they get into the free agent acquisition this summer, or maybe it's just a hockey trade to help a team now for some long-term help down the road, up the middle or in that top six for sure. So uh, certainly a lot there to get into and great stuff. Uh, where can people read uh, your stuff at uh, the fourth period.com? I know that for sure. Obviously fourth period.com story drop today, kind of putting a bow on the cutter go-to stuff and what dominoes could fall as a result of that move. So go check it out. It dropped about uh, three hours ago. I will say that I have already read it and it was a finely written piece so check that out on the fourth period.com. Make sure you follow Ant on Twitter at ADeMarco25. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review. And uh, that'll help other hockey fans and Flyer fans find this content. And great stuff, man. We'll talk next week. And uh, as the world turns, I guess is the, is the terminology. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you next time on Stick to Hockey Live. <laughs>